I'm going to be vulnerable with you today. I try to always be vulnerable. Um, and, and vulnerability is, is when you present your real self rather than your fake self. Let me define it that way, okay? This is just a, this is just a, little, bit of, a little bit of a teaching moment here. Is a vulnerability is when you, can, when you dare to present your real self. And we all at times want to hold back and present our fake self, what we want other people to see, right? And so I always strive to do that from my position. And so today I'm going to do that a little bit. I'm going to share a little bit behind the scenes. And the first step in that is I will get exhausted when I have a negative thought loop that is open and just keeps going. Does anyone deal with negative thoughts here? Here's what I know about negative thoughts. Uh, this is my opinion. I think this is actually a very accurate opinion. My opinion is regardless of who you are, where you came from, your understanding of who God is, your relationship with God, your belief in God, your belief in his son Jesus, and where you're at in your relationship with Jesus, we are all human and we all deal with this matter. And it's what do you do with negative thoughts that you can't get rid of? What are you doing to battle these thoughts? And when I get exhausted, these thought loops that are rooted in lies, just they wear on me. And uh, today we're going to start a new series called Rent Free. And really the goal of this series is we're going to learn how to evict these, these thoughts, these negative thoughts that are living rooted in lies, that are living rent free in our minds. And in this, uh, in this goal, with, with this goal, I'm going to give you guys some very key uh, biblical principles for us to apply. I want you to be able to have some key biblical principles principles. We can offer a lot of things that seem like great self-help, meaning they might help and you can do for yourself, but welcome. This is a church. I'm a pastor. I believe in Jesus, and what I want to present to you are some truths that Jesus Christ gives us, and, and ultimately the relevance of Scripture today and how we can draw from it, this ancient text that was written that we can draw from and we can apply today in our lives. Are you with me this morning? So we want to activate these key biblical practices, and we want to defeat these negative thoughts. I believe by achieving this, this is what's going to happen. I think in your life and in my life, there's a new freedom that we will be able to experience, where we will experience more joy, more peace, and ultimately more fulfilling relationships, first and foremost with God, and secondly, with the people around us. This is what's at stake. Your peace, your joy, and the relationships that you have with God and with people around you. To achieve this, we're going to take the next four weeks, and we're going to break this process down. We're going to talk about some key elements. But today, what I want to start by doing is I want to lay some foundation. It's really important that we lay foundation. In fact, it's probably the most important thing you can do whenever you're building or constructing anything. If you're, if you're a contractor or you're a builder, if you've ever built something, foundation is key. And so today, we're going to we're going to build a foundation by defining what rent-free is. We're also going to define what the real identity of negative thoughts is and what the harm of these real thoughts, these negative thoughts are. I'm going to use a passage in 2 Corinthians chapter 10. One of my goals is that I not just read the passage to you, but I want to help you learn what the context is given around why this was written. And so there's some key things that I'm going to discuss with you. I'm going to tell you first and foremost, the guy who wrote this is a guy named Paul. I can tell you that who he was writing it to was a church in Corinth and the people of that church. So it's called the Corinthians. 
And I also want to tell you that part of what was going on, to give you context in this, is that the chapter just before this, in chapter 9, Paul is encouraging the followers of Jesus in these little churches all over the place. He's dealing with in a very personal way. And he knows that it takes resource for him to do what it is that God's called him to do. So he had people that supported him. He had people personally that just were very supportive of his ministry. But he also encouraged the churches to continue doing something that is key, and that's giving. And so in chapter 9, he's encouraging. He's saying, hey, continue to give. He, he even goes as far as to compare the church, like the Macedonians, this, this one church. It'd be like me comparing another church to us and saying, hey, look, this other church has been, and then we should, right? And, he, and Paul, Paul's just trying to say, hey, listen, this is where we should be living. We should continually be active in supporting and the spread of the gospel, of the good news, the fact that Jesus Christ came and died for you and for me and for anyone else who, who ever has ears to hear this message. Today, we're not talking about giving. Um, it's not a message on tithing. So some of you can just take a collective internal, okay, it's not what we're talking about. That's very important, okay? It does need to be talked about. But more importantly, chapter 10, he's responding to something. He's responding to the fact that while he's encouraging the people of Corinth He's encouraging people to continue in their generosity. It'd be like us, you know, Haley just encouraged all of you to continue in your generosity. Why? Because we have a mission. There's a why behind what we're doing. We believe that we are here as a church to make an impact in our city. And we do that in a very simple way. We want to support kids that otherwise don't have support. And that's very simple. There's a real problem. We want to bring a real solution. Amen? And Paul, in a lot of ways, was kind of saying the same thing. But what happened was, these adversaries of his were coming along and sowing this, these negative thoughts and presenting to the other believers that Paul was proud, he was arrogant, he, his motives were false. And, he, and Paul is just like, listen, look, look at what's happening. Look at the change that's happening and now I, I'm going to respond to this. Chapter 10 is a response. So this is what Paul says. Now I, Paul, appeal to you with the gentleness and kindness of Christ. Why was this important that he start this way? Because everyone that was sowing these negative thoughts was saying the opposite. So he's saying, no, I'm, I'm actually coming with the character of Christ. Gentleness and kindness. I'm not coming to you with a loud voice that I, I'm not, I don't need to scream at you. I don't need to put you on blast, if you will. I'm just going to come and I'm going to have a conversation. I want you to know I'm coming with humility. You say I'm proud. I'm coming with humility. You say that I'm not kind. I have false motives. I'm coming with kindness and I'm going to bring gentleness. He goes, though I realize you think that I'm timid in person and bold only when I write from far away. So it, let, me, let me contextualize this. This is like the, the, the quintessential, the cliche uh, uh, keyboard ninja approach. You know, we're timid when we're with each other face to face, but we get really bold when we're behind our anonymous avatar on Twitter or on Facebook or on, okay, are you with me? Hello, anybody? Bueller, hello, okay. 
Paul is dealing with the same issue that we deal with in 2022, even though we have the technology and he didn't. We're like, you know, they just don't understand. The Bible isn't relevant because we have like technology now wrong. It's the same heart motives. It's, it's, the, it's the same evil. It's just, okay, are you with me? Different tools, same heart. He's like, you know, you're saying that I'm one way, but I get behind the keyboard and I'm another way, but I'm not. He goes, well, I'm begging you now so that when I come, I won't have to be bold with those who think we act from human motives. He's like, hey, I'm writing this letter to get this straight because if I show up and you think that I'm not bold face to face, I carry the boldness of Christ. And so if we need to have a a face-to-face discussion, which is the way to handle it, let me say it to the side of the room over here. If we need to have a face-to-face discussion, which is the way to handle your problems, adult-to-adult conversation, Paul's like, I lack no boldness. And I don't want to have to do that. So I'm begging you now. Hear what I'm saying, because I, th- I, th- I think we can reconcile this. He goes, you think that we're acting with human motives, and th- I love this. He goes, we are human. He starts the very next line, he goes, we, we are human. And, and, and there's, this, there's this nuance to Paul that he's saying, you know, I, I, I want to let you know that this isn't my motive. This isn't what I'm doing. The negative thoughts that you're spinning and the li- like, like, those aren't true. That's not me. I, I'm, not, I'm not those things, but I also want you to know that we're human. We're not perfect. The best thing that I can do is present to you the fact that as a pastor, I'm not perfect. And I'm going to tell you the chief reason why. And I love this about Paul, because if I present to you that to stand on a platform and have a good understanding and knowledge of who God is and have a great relationship with God, that you have to be perfect, you will strive for perfection thinking, your perspective thinking that I'm a perfect person. So what you see, and you will begin to say, well, if he's perfect, I need to be perfect. I want to tell you something. I'm not perfect. And there are plenty of moments in my life that I'm going to look at you and you're going to ask me a question. I'm going to say, I don't know the answer to that. It's the healthiest thing that I can do for you as a leader. So that you're okay and you have permission that we in our humanity, we're human. That we have permission together as humans to say, I don't know the answer to that. I don't completely understand it and I'm not perfect. Paul, like there's a subtlety to him that I love. He goes, we are human, but we don't wage war as humans do. We don't fight with the same fighting stance. He goes, we use God's mighty weapons, not worldly weapons, to knock down the strongholds of human reasoning and to destroy false arguments. What are false arguments? Lies. When we present our false self because we think that's the safest thing to do to the people around us, because we're buying into the negative thoughts, we're literally lying to ourselves first and foremost. But in a very harmful manner, we end up lying by presenting these false arguments to other people. And we run around and we present to each other these fake selves that aren't real, but we feel safe in. But there's no safety in false arguments. 
And then he says in verse 5, we destroy every proud obstacle that keeps people from knowing God. We capture the rebellious thoughts. I love this idea of capturing. We imprison rebellious thoughts. We, we hold them into account. We bring them into the courtroom. We make them sit and submit to what? Listen to what he says. And teach them to obey Christ. And after you have become fully obedient, we will punish everyone who remains disobedient. Paul is bringing the readers of this text and us today, thousands of years later, to focus on a couple of key things. To focus on the true identity that we have in Christ and the reality of lies that attempt to stand in opposition of us knowing God and therefore being obedient to God. That we know him, we know his character, his nature, his preferences, his likings, and being obedient to that. So number one, what does rent-free mean? I'm going to define rent-free as this. This is, this is my uh, rudimentary definition of rent-free. When something's living rent-free, a thought in your mind, it's an open loop of negative thought causing harm that you either want to forget or you want to overcome. They seem to take on a life cycle of their own. Uh, I, I, I know there are certain thought loops in my life that I feel like have been present from my earliest memories. Can anyone relate? Have you, have you, ever, have you ever encountered one of these thoughts where you, you hit them? And I'm just going to tell you, the older you get, if you come up against one of these thoughts, you've been battling, you feel like you've been battling your whole life, you're just like, oh my gosh, not again. Right? I've been down this dusty trip. How many times do I have to do this? It's exhausting and you, you want to quit. Sometimes you just give up and you just go with it. Can I be real? And like I have that personality where I'm like, well, if I'm going to be that, I'm gonna, I am going to excel at that. Right? So if I'm going off the deep end, I'm, not, I'm, I'm like swan diving. I'm, I'm like, can't, I'm screaming from the top of my lungs, cannonball into that negative thought. Because I can't stand to not be good at something. So if I'm going to suck, I'm going to be really good at it. Paul was dealing with this very same thing. And so he gives us this, this idea of what to do with it. And he does it because he knows that if a thought is living rent-free in your mind, it has zero benefit. It has zero benefit for you because it offers zero contribution to the long-term well-being of your life, of your future, according to who Jesus Christ calls you to be. Not who you think you are, not who someone might say you are, but who Jesus Christ says. This rent-free thought is robbing you. It's robbing me. It provides zero upside. Now, I want you to remember something about a negative thought. Negative thoughts have an identity crisis. 
they always present themselves to be something on the surface that they really are not at their root. So number two, what is the real identity of a negative thought? Every negative thought is grown from a system of belief. Every negative thought that we deal with is grown from a belief system. So let me, let me describe it this way. I like tropical settings, so I'm going to use a tropical tree here. Who doesn't love the beach? Okay. You can, you can use a Joshua tree if you love the desert. I'm going to use a palm tree. So we've got this palm tree. It's got some coconuts. We've got to have coconuts on a palm tree. And we need some texture and a little bit of grass. That's our palm tree. Every single negative thought has grown from a root belief. So here's, here's a root belief I had. It started out, this was the fruit of it. Uh, I believed I had fear. That's, that can be negative. Okay. When that fear says, in my case, you dead. That's my shorthand version for you're going to die. Here's what I mean. I'm 49 years old. When I approached the age of 47, I had this really strange belief in my head that I was going to die by the time I was 47. Because my father was dead by 47. I don't ever remember, I didn't grow up with my grandfathers. They both were dead. So I had no males in my life that had shown me that they had any longevity in living. My own dad was deceased by 47. I spent my entire life pretty much watching him battle cancer. So as I approach 47, guess what? I have this fear, you dead. That's the fruit. And so in a very weird way, I kind of I kind of walked around. I mean, I, I like, you know, the clock strikes, boom, 47. And I'm like, still here. Right? What was the root of that, though? It was a lie. What was the lie? That I was going to die? No, here was the lie. This was the lie. The lie is every male in your family is under a curse of death. I'm just being vulnerable. I believed that. In fact, I believed that part of the reason why God gave me all daughters, I'm just, I'm just being vulnerable. The reason why God gave me seven daughters and no sons it was God's, I believe this lie, it was God's mercy of ending this generational curse with me. And that's why I didn't have any sons. Because there's nothing good in me that needs to be reproduced into another male. Because our males are what? Under a curse. That's a heavy lie. That's a heavy lie. 
that, listen, there are lies that I don't think I'm alone. I think there are many of us that are walking around, and if we take time, and we're going to do this over the next four weeks, we're going we're gonna to get to where we're not looking at the fruit, but we understand the root. And a lot of times what happens is, is we try to address the fruit and you can't fix what's going on by medicating or tending to the fruit. You have to deal with the root. Now, I'm going to tell you this is a lie because I'm not under a curse. Okay? In fact, I will tell you that I am blessed. I'm blessed times one, two, three, four, five, six, seven. Those are my kids, my wife. My son-in-laws, my granddaughter, my mother-in-law. I'm, bl- I'm blessed times this and probably more than I know, but so are you in your life. Fruit, root, truth. We can go on and on and on and we can talk about the things that are potentially lying in your minds and in my mind that are producing harmful, harmful thought processes. The real identity of a negative thought is a lie. But I want you to know that every lie has an origin. Someone had to start that lie. In John 8, 42, Jesus told them, if God were your father, you would love me because I have come to you from God. I'm not here on my own, but he sent me. Why can't you understand what I'm saying? Jesus is like, why can't you understand what I'm saying? He's like, it's a rhetorical question. Let me give you the answer. The reason you can't understand, it's because you can't even hear me. Why can't you hear me? Because you're caught up in the noise of the fruit. You're caught up in the noise of the lies. You're caught up in the noise of what somebody said to you when you were six, of what somebody said to you the other day online, of somebody that said something inadvertently, didn't mean to, and you took it the wrong way, and, you're, and, and you can't hear. So I can't understand the truth because I, I can't hear past this. For you are the children of your father, the devil, and you love to do evil things he does. He was a murderer from the beginning. He, the devil, has always what? Hated the truth. Because what? There is no truth in him. When he lies, it's consistent with his character. Like this is good for us to to get real quickly. Satan has zero ability to ever speak truth to you and to me. He will only produce lies. Why? Because there's no truth in him. Why? Because his identity is lie. Why do I know that? Because God's identity is truth. And if God is truth, Satan is in opposition 
and he's the lie. And so when you and I are being presented with lies, the origin of that, the mouth it comes from, this is what it says. He is a liar and he's the father of lies. Fathers reproduce. I reproduced, my wife and I. Can I tell you that Satan even understood like the mandate to reproduce? It's just he's reproducing bad fruit. And he's reproducing, he wants to reproduce lies in you and I. He wants us to buy into this. There's a real enemy who hates for us to know the real truth, so he attempts to persuade us to believe his lies as the real truth. And they're not. So what's the harm of these rent-free negative thoughts? Here's the truth about a lie. I want to tell you the truth about these lies. Lies only have power if they're believed. This curse idea only has power in my life if I believe it. When I say, that's not even, I don't believe that. I, I like laugh at it. <laughs> I laugh at you. This isn't true, right? What's a lie? Like a lie literally has no argument. It can only repeat itself. It has no power. But here's my warning. My warning to you is that if you spend enough time listening to something, you will begin to believe it. And so... It is necessary that we, over the next four weeks, learn this so that we can learn how to evict negative thoughts that are harmful. Because if you and I entertain them enough, we will begin to believe them. In Proverbs 23.7 says, For as he thinks in his heart, so is he. What you believe, you become. What you believe, you become. I think the greatest harm of believing a rent-free negative thought is it gets you to take on the identity of the root lie. So instead of, I'm fearful that I'm going to die, I, I begin saying, I am cursed. Do you see how I just took on the identity of that thing? I am Fill in the blank. This is the harm. So when I agree, it becomes me. When I agree, it becomes me. The reason why this happens is because negative thoughts are arrogant. They're proud. They only think of themselves. They offer nothing to you and I. They're only there to take. Paul tells us, we destroy every proud obstacle, every proud lie. These lies are proud. 
There's always going to be a cost to you and only to you. There's a cost to me and only to me for these lies, these negative thoughts that live rent-free in our minds. Never an upside. Stop for once. Don't, like, literally, if you're in a thought process that you, you're like, nah, there's some upside. I used to partner with anger because anger was my motivator. That's how I did things. I would get really angry. Like, I worked out a lot in the gym. And, and, and a buddy of mine that I worked out a lot with, he, he figured this out in me. He said, you know, it's really funny. You don't respond to encouragement. This is fascinating. So I'm about 175 pounds right now. I was about 205 pounds. And at the time, I, would, I was benching around 315 pounds. I was, all I did was spend time in the gym. And um, that's not a ton of weight, but I'm not a big dude. That was a lot of weight for me. And I would start to push this heavier weight, and he'd be like, come on, you could do it. And I'd be like, would you shut up? And he noticed that what I would do is I would begin mumbling under my breath all of these negative thoughts that I would begin to declare. You're weak. You don't have what it takes. Everyone's always abandoned you. You're alone. No one loves you. I, I was literally tapping into these negative, I was, I was tapping into my partnership and my agreement with these negative thoughts to empower me to get revenge by pushing a silly weight off of my chest. Not knowing the power of those declarations as it rippled across my entire life. It wasn't a moment contained in a gym. He was hearing the admission of my heart. And he just said to me when he goes, you're a strange individual. <laughs> I've never heard anyone like respond to negativity the way that you do. He did not mean that as a compliment. I took it as a compliment. I was like, huh, yeah, look at me, I'm unique. He's like, not good, bro. <laughs> You're truly unique. I don't think I am unique. I think there are some of us even today that think that a partnership and an agreement with these negative thoughts is doing you good. Perhaps you think it's keeping you safe. Perhaps you think it's the way that you need to respond to protect yourself from future harm. Perhaps you think that you've seen other people utilize these things and this is the way to go. And I want to tell you, it's 100% hurt 100% of the time. It doesn't lead to a positive destination. This is the truth about the harmfulness of negative thoughts. Agreements with these lies cost you by becoming obstacles, as Paul says. But what do they become obstacles to? To knowing God by his true nature and character, his preferences and his likes. What are some of those things that would be a benefit to you and to I to know about God that lies are stopping you from knowing? Here's what they are. Peace, love, grace, mercy, kindness, goodness. That he's a good God. He's a good father. 
How about his salvation, his redemption, his desire to restore things that are broken? And we're missing these things. And it's time for us to take hold of these negative thoughts and to do something with them. And we're going to take the next four weeks and we're going to walk through this. Would you stand with me this morning? In a nutshell, I think the greatest harm to humanity that's being done with these negative thoughts rooted in lies is that we end up taking on a false identity here's what a false identity is any identity that stands in opposition to what Jesus Christ has called you if it doesn't align with that it's a lie Some of you have been battling this. It feels like for a lifetime. And as I say that, you can, you, you can feel the weight of that. I'm just going to have everyone, if you can, just close your eyes. It's a bit of a private moment. If that's you this morning, do me a favor. Would you just raise your hand? There's a lot of hands. Amen. Amen. So here's what I'm going to do. I'm just going to pray in general. But I also, I think as we embark on the next four weeks, what I want to do is I want to encourage you and I want to call you into the beginning of the process. A very practical step of that is come get prayer. Prayer is a massive massive weapon that we can use to go right to the person of truth. And so, Lord, I pray this morning as we embark on the next four weeks of developing an understanding of these key principles and and activating these things that you would begin here in this place, you would begin the tilling of our hearts But for some of us, we need to be willing to allow the Holy Spirit to step in and cross that threshold and begin working on the soil. God wants to sow some truths, some seeds of truths in your hearts. But before seeds are sown, the ground a lot of times has to be prepped and has to be broken. And God's a good God, he's a gentle God. But there's perhaps some things in our hearts that God needs to do. He needs to to begin tilling that ground. So this week, the challenge is is for us to present ourselves to God. Could you just do this? Just this week, just every day, just a simple thing. You say, God, I present my heart to you today, little by little, so that when we walk in on Sunday, our hearts are prepared. You begin doing some work in my heart, God. And these don't have to be super, super big things. They can seem very slight, but God wants to rid the landscape of our hearts of all of these weeds, 
all of these lies. And so, Lord, just prepare our hearts, prepare um, our minds. For those of you who raised your hand, you're like, I've been in this. I've been feeling this. I've been dealing with this. I just pray, I just pray right now over you specifically, Lord, that, you, that your spirit would begin right now to bring peace, to bring hope back to maybe areas that you're so tired you're hopeless. And I would encourage you um, to not leave here without getting some prayer from our ministry team. Father, that as we walk out today, we would now walk out armed with an understanding of what negative thoughts really are. Which is the first step. And we can begin identifying those things. We thank you for your son Jesus. We thank you for what he did for us and that we now can find our identity in him. If you do not have a relationship with Jesus Christ, I want to tell you that one of the biggest steps, if not the biggest, the most profound step you can take is to step into a relationship with Jesus Christ. That is truly the beginning of this process. And so if that's you in the room, do not leave this place. To make this very practical for you, if you don't have a relationship with Jesus, um, I, I don't think it's a decision to be made in hiding because you're not gonna live your Christian life out in hiding. And so I would encourage you, if you don't have a relationship with Jesus, come forward and pray with one of our ministry team members. You can simply say, hey, I wanna step into a relationship with Jesus Christ this morning. They're equipped to pray with you and come alongside you. This is the biggest step you could take. For the rest of us, God, I pray for just peace, um, courage, as we approach this, some of us maybe get nervous even approaching the topic of dealing with some of these things. We know what's lying below the, some of us know what's in the root system and we're maybe afraid of dealing with it. And I'm telling you right now, this is the best thing that you could ever do. Just have courage, have courage. So give us that courage, we thank you. In Jesus' powerful name, everyone said amen and amen.